Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit Lynda.com slash TWIP. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. This episode is brought to you by Sticky Albums. They're the easiest way to share your work with your customers. And this month, Sticky Albums is giving away a 27-inch iMac. Just head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash stickymac to get all the details. This week on TWIP, it's Thanksgiving here in the United States, and we've got a very special show lined up for you. It's an interview with veteran podcaster Iberian X Perillo. It's Tuesday, November 25th, 2014, and this is TWIP. Okay, first off, I'm very happy to announce the launch of TWIP's new apparel store. In it, you'll find t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, etc., all branded TWIP, of course. And we've included designs with some of our favorite TWIP-isms, like Shut Up and Shoot, Pixel Punisher, All About the Gear, and more. And for a short time, if you use the code TWIPSHIP35, that's T-W-I-P, S-H-I-P-3-5 on checkout, you'll get a full 15% off the retail price. And get this, you'll get free shipping. So please support TWIP by grabbing your t-shirt today. And you can check out our store over at thisweekinphoto.com slash apparel. Okay, before we get into that part of the show, I want to let you know about this new giveaway that my friends over at stickyalbums.com are doing. So if you've been listening to, listening to the show, you know that I have fallen in love with my new computer, my new 27-inch Retina iMac. You know, it's no secret. I love it. Wrote a post about it. Uh, Doug and I reviewed it on All About the Gear. And now it turns out that the guys over at Sticky Albums are giving one away. So you can get in on that. Just head over to uh, thisweekinphoto.com slash stickymac. That's thisweekinphoto.com slash stickymac. And... A couple clicks later, you'll be entered to win, and if you're lucky, on your doorstep in a few short weeks could be a 27-inch Retina iMac. So check it out, and thanks to StickyAlbums.com for their support of This Week in Photo. Okay, so on with today's episode. Since we launched our TWIP talk show, we haven't included interviews in the main TWIP feed. Well, that is until today. Today, I've got a very special interview with you. My guest is Iberian X Perillo. 
Now, Barry Nex is a photographer, he's a writer, he's an educator, and he's the host of the Candid Frame Photography Podcast. He has over 20 years of experience in the photographic industry, and his photographs and articles have appeared in various publications, including Digital Photo Pro, Rangefinder, Shutterbug, Outdoor Photographer, and Scott Kilby's Lighted Magazines. But before we get into my discussion with Abarian X, here's the next sponsor for this week's episode of TWIP, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to FreshBooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. So on with today's episode. Well, since we launched our TWIP Talks show, we haven't included interviews in the main TWIP feed. That is until today. So today I've got a very special interview for you. It's Barry Nex Perillo. He's the host of the popular photography podcast, The Candid Frame, and he joins me today to discuss street photography, podcasting, and the changing world of photography. All right, folks, this is a kind of a really, really good treat for you. I'm sitting here with, you know, I guess kind of a de facto mentor slash guiding light of mine, somebody who's been in the podcasting industry for a while. I've talked to him before um, on the show, but now we're doing video and, you know, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into kind of the state of the world of photography. His name is Abarian X Perillo. He runs a really, really popular podcast called The Candid Frame. And he's an author, he's a podcaster, he's a journalist, he's an educator, all these things rolled up into one person, a kind of a true multimediographer. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into what makes up a Barry X as well as, you know, just kind of shoot the breeze about photography in general. So Barry X, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. You make me feel a little old, but I, I appreciate the thought, nevertheless. <laughs> you know, hey, man, that old, old versus experience. You know, I think I'll take experienced and older over young and not experienced any day. Trust me. Young and dumb, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about you, man. So you, you got the sultry tones of a Barian X. You get on there whenever I listen. You're you have a permanent place on my on my, all of my devices, right? So the candid frame lives there. And whenever I play your podcast, I kind of get transported into, you know, kind of the inside the actor studio kind of uh, feel because you're you ask these perfect, really considered questions. It's an adult show in terms of the, you know, the, the there's no comedy, you know, it's it's you know, it's lighthearted, but it's not funny. It's just f serious photography. I think about your shows like serious, serious photography. So tell me about like you and how you kind of transition from shooting into this world of broadcasting. What do you think? It was really because I, I wanted to listen to a, a show that just didn't exist. Yeah. I was, when I started listening to podcasts, it was I think probably a, a year after they really started, you know, popping up. I think it was 2005 and, mm -hmm. and I was listening to all these photography podcasts and they were all about equipment and gear mm -hmm. And I worked at the time at uh, Werner Publishing, and they published Outdoor Photographer and PC Photo Magazine and mm -hmm. Digital Photo Pro. And I was just immersed in gear all the time. So to, for, to a certain extent, I was just like up to my eyeballs in yeah. talk about equipment. Yeah. And so I really wanted to hear conversations about photography. Mm 
And more importantly, I wanted to hear from people that uh, weren't being written about in the magazines. There either yeah. were people who were just underneath the radar, who just weren't popular, or, or, or they were producing interesting work, but they just didn't fit into the model for the, for the publication. And so I, I said, man, someone should do that. And I went, well, why don't I do it? And it was just a simple matter of learning how to podcast, how to record, how to create a website, because I had no clue about that. Right. right. Um, but I knew a lot of photographers, and I knew how to interview people as a result of you know, writing and interviewing people all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was, for me, a, a, really a no-brainer. And I kind of knew that it would be successful if I did the footwork. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing the, the, the podcast, and at first it was every couple of weeks. And then eventually it started, it gained the momentum, and then I went, well, let me go in deeper, and I started producing them every week. And I think this, every week uh, for the last couple of years I've produced a, a show. I think I've only missed a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I don't take a vacation from it. I'm just <laughs> constantly just putting it out there because I'm really excited about having the opportunity to talk photography with people who are really passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Not only just good photographers, but people who really are are invested in their own creative lives. Yeah. And it nurtures me. And then as a result, the people who listen to the show benefit in much the same way I do when I have the chance to sit down and, and talk to people. I, I agree completely. You know, much like when you're, you know, one of the things that people realize when you're a photographer is your your camera unlocks a lot of situations for you that wouldn't be possible if you didn't have the camera so you have an excuse kind of to go into different situations and put yourself in different situations to get photos that if you were just another part of the crowd you'd just be another part of the crowd so what i translate that over to to podcasting is i personally as a podcaster as well uh, get to have conversations with folks like you, you know, folks like Joe McNally, Scott Kelly, all these different people that are in the industry that otherwise I would not be able to sit down, focus for an hour with and just pick their brain about stuff, <laughs> you know, and you, under the auspices of, of the podcast, which, you know, granted is, is, is going to benefit a large body of people as well, but it is my key into the lives of a lot of people. So, yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. And one of the cool things about it is that I'm able to sit down with people who I've admired since the days that I picked up a camera. Yeah. And I get to have conversations with them as if I'm a peer. Right. I mean, they treat me like a peer. I mean, yeah. sat down with Mary Ellen Mark, Joel Meyerowitz, Dan Winters, and we're just talking shop. And sometimes it's like surreal to me. Yeah. Because I remember being in college and sitting in my room looking at these people's work in their book and, and just absorbing it and basically trying to pick up what these people did to become such good photographers. And then a couple of decades later, I'm sitting there across the table from them, talking shop, laughing, yeah. uh, and just having a great time. And that's been one of the great gifts of the, of the show. And I think it's that, that enthusiasm that I have for photography and talking about it and doing it myself that uh, leads so many people to make the show a regular part of their part of their week yeah. because yeah. they would love to sit in the same place that I am talking to these people. Yeah. And I think the kind of conversations I have with them are, are, are the kind of conversations that normally don't find their, find their way into a magazine article mm -hmm. yeah. or a typical interview. Um, you really, 
may hear about their technique or about their process, but you don't get insight. And I think that's one of the things that I strive for the show is to find an insight into how did these people not only make their individual photographs, but how do they make this their lives? Yeah. And I like the fact that I interview people who are established professionals and master photographers, but I also talk to people who are just starting out and uh, who aren't professional photographers that are making amazing work. I and mean, I get to have conversations where all of these people are on the same playing field, that there's no one person who's superior or inferior. It's like they're all pursuing the same thing. And it's like, how are you doing it? You know, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? And as a result, I think people who are pursuing the, the same dream um, get the benefit of, of that wisdom and that insight. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. And, you know, one, one question that I, that I have for you is you mentioned sitting in college and sort of looking at the work of these people whom you now get to rub elbows with and have have one on one conversations with, you know, and I would, you know, I from the outside looking in, I look at you a very next and I say, you know, you at some point became one of those people. Right. Because you are an author now. You're an educator. You're influencing legions of people every week so at some point you went from you know being sort of at the party and kind of feeling like you weren't you know really at the party to you now you are a full-fledged member at the table <laughs> at the party with with everyone so was there a point in your career say since you started podcasting 2005 was there a point in there where you felt like you know what i'm i'm here you know i'm i'm one of these folks well, yeah, it's very kind of you to say, but uh, I never have felt that. Mm. Um, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. Yeah. I'm not thinking about uh, whether or not I'm, I'm, I rank up amongst these people. Sure. Right? It's not, it's not a concern for me. I'm always looking at my work and, and, and wanting to push it further and get better. Yeah. Um, I don't have that probably the healthiest perspective of my work, but who does? Right. You know, so I. I can sometimes undervalue it as as compared to some people that, you know, when you're looking at great work every day, I mean, exceptional work, I look at my work and I go, it's okay, yeah. et cetera. Right, right. You know, there may yeah. be some good stuff in there, but in comparison with the greater body of work that's out there, I think I'm better than average. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm still striving for, for more because I know what I want to pursue. But I think that... Um, you know the, the, you know the times when I get to share work with someone, and they get excited about my work, like Dan Dan Winters, who I've interviewed a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, I showed him a, a picture that I made, and he included it in his uh, in his book. And uh, I was just like, "Wow, Dan Winters liked my photo enough that he put it in his book." Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, "Wow, that's really kind of cool." Yeah. And I've had people who've you know, bought prints from me and, you know, photographers who I admire. And they yeah. go, I really like that. I want to print into that. It's like, wow, okay. So it's, 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 I think moments like that, I get to feel like, okay, I'm part of the club. Yeah. When I get someone like that responding to my work. But I think in general, I'm just thinking about when's the next time I can go out and shoot and whether I'm making the same pictures that I've been making for years or whether I'm not, I'm doing something really different and really pushing my limits. Then uh, it doesn't matter about where I rank. It's that I'm just doing it and I'm excited and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying myself. 
Yeah. And that that's a piece that you and I have talked about uh, previously, and that's when do you get to shoot, right? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, but my life is, is kind of crazy, as I'm sure yours is. And, you know, over the years, it, it seems to be, you know, if you have a finite amount of time, you there's only a finite amount of time that you can apply to get things done. And if you're spending, you're trying to be really excellent at one thing, you can't be so excellent at other things, you know, and I, or be a producer, continue to produce really good content all over across all cylinders. So how do, how do you balance your time so that you're able to shoot while still doing all this multimedia writing and podcasting and all this stuff? How do you keep it all together? You know, it used to be that I was reviewing a lot of products and that gave me the excuse to go out and shoot because I was going to write about this camera or this lens. So I, I okay, I got to write this thing. So in order to be able to write about it in an informed way, I have to go out and make photographs. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm doing that a lot less, it's more difficult. Yeah. yeah. And this particular year was really hard because in January, um, I had a really bad flare up of uh, back pain. Oh. And it was like, I'm, it was Walking was incredibly difficult. I mean, I'm a street photographer, so I'm used to like walking, you know, th at least three miles in a day if I have a good, you know, three or four hours worth of shooting. Mm -hmm. And walking um, 25 or 30 yards was painful. So I was, I was cr crippled almost mm -hmm. in a way that just I didn't, I couldn't shoot. Yeah. So um, my trip to France. I had just finished getting treated for the back pain about a month before I went to France. And that was the first time in the year that I was able to just dedicate a whole bunch of time to shooting. And that was really liberating. It just felt good and made me appreciate um, how critical my health is yeah. to, to make something happen. But when I got back, you know, I had a whole bunch of work um, in front of me. And what I started to do is I started taking a camera with me every time I went out to walk. My dog, uh, and I just started walking the same route. I've been walking the same route with, with both dogs for, for years now. But I went out with a camera, either it was a, you know, a, a little Samsung camera or the Fuji camera, really small, compact. And the challenge I created for myself is like I have to find a photograph every time I go out for a walk, but I got to walk the same route. Oh, yeah. And sometimes that was the only time that I had the time to shoot. Wow. And it was amazing what I came up with. I've been putting some of those images up on my Tumblr site. And it's, it, it was really good because it really challenged me. Because with street photography, I'm always, often looking for people. Mm -hmm. And where I live up in Altadena, there is no, there's no street, there's no walking traffic around there. Yeah. So I didn't have the benefit of that. So I really had to take a look at light. I had to take a look at a bunch of things and try to create something really interesting. And as a result, I started discovering things that I don't think I would have seen otherwise. Right. And while the photographs may not be the best photographs I've ever made, I was practicing seeing in a way that I hadn't been doing before. Yeah. So now when I go out there, one of the, the big benefit of that is that I don't take as many pictures now. Right. So I may have a 36 gigabyte card in my, in my, uh, in my camera, mm -hmm. but I'm not shooting stuff i'm really looking i'm looking and shooting so much more thoughtfully as a result of doing that because i think i was 
sometimes I would just be, I would shoot, but I wasn't looking. I wasn't seeing. Yep. And then once I had that experience and I only had like the, that hour with my dog, I had to be more, more thoughtful about it because I didn't want to come back with just something that, um, that was just okay just merely because I wanted to have the experience of pressing the shutter release button. Yeah. Yeah. You started, uh, you started, you started making photographs instead of just taking photographs, right? Yeah. And I've always kind of been like that, but it, it just made me that much more, um, precise. Maybe that's not the best word about it, but it made me just more, more conscious about what I was seeing and what I was doing with the camera. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I might make only about six frames, but if I had one that was really nice and one of the, one of the big benefits of it is that I would s see the potential of a, of, of a location and, but it wasn't perfect either because the, the light wasn't right or some other element. And so I would change the time I would leave the house. So sometimes I leave a little earlier, a little, uh, little later. Uh, there's yeah. a, there's a, if you go to the Tumblr site, um, you'll see there's this one, there's this wall and this, basically it's a picture of a sidewalk, some grass and a, and a fence. And I shot that a couple of, uh, one day and I looked at it and I said, it's almost there but not really. And then I just changed the time that I left. And then there was this dapple of light that was hitting the very same scene. And I composed the shot pretty much the way I had a couple of weeks before, but it was so much better. I love that. I love that. that. What, where's your, where's your Tumblr site at? Just for folks that are listening to this. I think it's bodyandx.tumblr.com. I'll have okay. to. Okay. And we'll, I'll put it up in a, in a lower third on the video so they can find it. Um, and of course in the blog post, um, yeah, so that's on what that, tumblr.com, amerinex.tumblr.com. Okay. So on that, so in, that sounds like an exercise in, in restraint, right? Or, or, or minimalism because there's, you're on the same path and you're varying small things like the time of day that you leave, you know, and that you're not, and I would assume you're not going out there with a big backpack full of camera gear and lenses and all that and, and making decisions like that. What do you take out there with you? Is it just one fixed focal length lens and you just have at it or what? Let's see. I have, uh, let's see. I got the X-T100 here, uh -huh. which I picked up during the, uh, the summer. And then I have the Samsung X-30. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but the one that I've been taking mostly with me is this one, which is the NX Mini. Oh, so this is small enough to fit into my shirt pocket. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm walking two dogs at the same time, <laughs> yeah. the other cameras don't work for me. So I will like, I will have the dogs on one hand at the end of the leash, get them to stop. Yep. And I can just go like and make my shot with this, with that, with those, both of those cameras, I need like two hands. Yeah. So, and this has a, I think a nine millimeter. So this is like a, I forget what the magnification factor is on this. What size sensor is that, you know? I th it's an APS-C size sensor, so I think it's uh, the same one that exists in the NX30. So this is a one and a half X times. Mm -hmm. So it's a fairly wide, yep. 20, 24 yep. equivalent, yep. which is really interesting because I, I don't tip I typically shoot like thirty-five millimeter. Mm -hmm. That focal length is like my sweet spot for street. Yeah, this is a little wider, so, um, so again, that was to... a challenge in terms of being able to compose a shot with that extra angle of coverage and yep. still trying to make an effective photograph. Love it. Love it. So that, that, I mean, that 
you know, I don't want to dive into gear too much. Um, but, you know, that we, we've spoken before again about the when we did the interview together, we were talking about sort of the that whole mirrorless versus DSLR and all that stuff that, that tends to go on. Can you tell me what patterns in the chaos that you've seen over, you know, these past years since 2005 that you've been doing the show in terms of these these sort of upper echelon pros and the stuff that they use to shoot? Has it has it changed much or are, you know, these photographers are still shooting what they shot in 2005 and they are they are oblivious to the storm of gear changes that are out there or do you, are you seeing these pros tend to move with the upgrades and camera capabilities? No, the pros aren't, aren't doing that. I mean, they're, I think a lot of, at least a lot of the pros that I know, um, they're maybe still shooting with uh, D, uh, DSLRs like uh, in the Nikons and the Canons. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys who I know who are making a living are, are working with medium format, you know, with the phase ones and things like that. I mean, these are people that are going out there shooting commercial work. Um, they may be shooting some stuff on the, you know, the 5D Mark III's and in in the Nikon D4S's or whatever they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are, I think, probably playing with some of the mirrorless cameras as 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 a camera for their own personal work. Yeah. But I don't see it really changing for the high end market. I think where the mirrorless and these um, compact system cameras are playing a role is in the enthusiast market. Yeah. The semi pro. Um, I think especially for people who are beginning photography, uh, there's a there's a great appeal. Yeah. Uh, those are the people that are really spending their time on the forums and listening to podcasts and you know getting in all these content. Is, is if you're really out there making a living, you don't have time for that. Yeah, right. that's interesting. The only, yeah. The only reason I'm I'm sort of jacked in is because I got to write about this stuff. I not, I need to be able to talk about it. Yeah. But uh, even with that, I still have hardly have time to to keep up. Right. So you're going to make it a, a full-time job to, to you know, peruse all these websites and all these forums and trying to get all this information. It's, it's crazy making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it, funny. It's I mean, you, 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 shifting and changing, but in terms of the pro market, uh, they're, they're kind of the last ones to sort of adopt new technologies and new ways of doing this because then it's a business expense to make that kind of shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're actually out making images and making photography that's that's a great nuance you hit on there because yeah you're right the people you see folks online on on the twip site included in comments that get on there and they will you know and i love them all to death but they'll write these paragraphs and and missives about why we were wrong or you know or why we're right on a certain topic and i read those i'm like wow how much time did it take to write that? You could have been out making some cool shots when you wrote that, you know. But you know, at the same time, you're right. The, the I look at the market as this pyramid, right? So we've got, you know, the top of the pyramid pros that are making a you know, according to IRS definitions, they're making most of their income through photography. Then the big, the rest of that pyramid, most of it, if not the rest of it, are advanced amateurs and amateur photographers that make up that giant base, which is vocal and excited. And, you know, those are the ones that are writing those posts and they may have a professional day job as a doctor or an engineer or lawyer or something. And then their passion is photography and they get online and, you know, but it's and they look at the Iberian X's of the world and the Scott Kelby's and the Joe McNally's and you know, all those guys, and they aspire to be there. So they're looking at what you're doing and what you're saying, but, you know, we're 
at the base of the pyramid. So are you seeing that too? Yeah. And I think a big part of it is, and it's something that I don't see talked about a whole lot, but the, the advent of the camera phone did more than just create this explosion of photography. In terms of the photographic industry, it resulted in the big cash cow for a lot of these manufacturers completely disappearing. What mm -hmm. people don't realize is that I think most camera manufacturers made a lot of their money from the from the manufacturing selling of point and shoot cameras. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a huge profit margin when when it came to sort of cameras and like you know DSLRs. The the profitability of those cameras wasn't really huge. It was largely built on the accessories like the lenses and all these you know other things. Buying into a system yeah. allowed. Um, these these manufacturers to earn a, a, a modicum of of money, but it was largely through the the point and shoot market. Yeah, I mean they, they, those things just got churned out every six six to nine months. Yeah, yeah. And with the advent of the of these camera phones, that's gone. Yeah. So now you're seeing that um, people who are wanting to step up from that are looking at these compact system cameras, these mirrorless cameras. And that's why there's so much talk on the internet about these rather than the DSLRs mm -hmm. and why everyone's wondering what Nikon and Canon are, are doing with respect to this. But it's like as far as sales and as far as the business of manufacturing, that middle ground is where the greatest shifting is happening yeah. as a result of these camera phones coming into being. Yeah. But that's completely separate from um, photography. You know, that's about a, that's about equipment and the nature of the business right now. Right. Photography itself hasn't changed a whole lot. No, no. It, it's still a, about developing a process of seeing. We have outlets now uh, where we can share our images all over the world in a variety of different ways. Um, so I, I think that that's why I like that my show focuses more on the creativity side because, you know, you can't argue about what it takes to be creative. It just takes a whole lot of work and a lot of dedication, regardless of what camera you're using. Mm -hmm. But that's a lot more. It's easier to defend your choice of camera than it is to defend where you're at as a photographer. That's very true. In other, or to put it a different way, you can use the excuse of not having the latest and greatest camera, and that's why your photography isn't as good as this guy's. Uh, but you can't defend that I'm just not that good a photographer because I don't have the skills. I created a, a Flickr pool, a candid frame group on Flickr. Mm -hmm. every, every week I put out a video in which I talk about a particular aspect of photography hmm, and cool. use the images that people are submitting to Flickr to create that conversation. And I'm amazed by the talent and the exceptional images that are being created by these people. And on top of that, they're using, you know, cameras that aren't top tier. Right. Some of them are using their phones. Some of them are using, you know, uh, you know, model cameras that aren't Nikon or or Canon mm -hmm. that that are several years old, five or seven year old cameras. Right. And they're making great pictures because they have a vision. They have they 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 love making photography, and they're spending as much energy as they can trying to make that happen and getting better. I mean, yeah. some of the people there, they make pictures and I go, damn, I wish I'd make my job. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because in the end, the dynamics and the physics 
behind the properties of light haven't changed and probably won't be changing in our lifetimes anytime soon, right? Light's going to go and behave the same no matter what, right? So, and all the physics and techniques and mindset around like everything you're saying, like having the vision and capturing the images, it's all, I mean, the, the, the gear that we had five years ago, like you're saying, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And the crazy thing about photography is I think photography is probably one of the only art form where someone will want to debate um, the quality of your image based on the technique you practiced. Yeah. Or and the gear you use to capture it. Right? It doesn't have anything with sculpture. It doesn't happen, you know, with a lot of different art forms. They don't go, uh, what kind of brush did you use? Is it a camel hair? Is it a synthetic? What kind of acrylics are you using? You know, I mean, I'm sure artists will ask that about each other, but those choices don't result in people making subjective just ju judgments about the final result. Right. And it seems like, I think largely it's because it's, we depend on an electro, electromechanical device to create our pictures that so much of the discussion revolves around that. Yeah. But at some point you have to get beyond that and go that it really doesn't matter what camera you're using. Yep. If you're not seeing well, you know, and you're not, um, you know, and, and you're, I want to say, if you're not good, mm -hmm. you know, it's only, it's not going to be the result of your camera. It's going right. to be the result of the fact that you're not putting in enough time. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's funny. You, it's, it's kind of a good analogy would be, you know, we've all heard it as photographers from, uninitiated people they'll you know they'll see your camera out there and like wow that's an amazing camera it must take great pictures right we've all heard that and you know that always makes me cringe a little bit because and i'm sure the thousands of people that are listening to this they cringe too because then you're like you know does that mean that you know when you when you go into a chef's kitchen and you you look at you get a meal from that chef that the if the meal wasn't good that means they cooked it on a bad stove or, or if the meal was good they must have a really good stove or a really good set of knives you know? could you imagine having a great meal you get to go behind the you know in the kitchen and you see the stove or you see the knives and you go you made that great meal using that and all of a sudden that that awareness all of a sudden makes you think less of what you just experienced because right. of what you used, it's, it's, that's insanity. It is. It is. That's brilliant. I love but, that. But, you know, but photographers are crazy people anyway. So Yeah, we are. We are. That's what we do. So so I want to talk a little bit about, like at the beginning, I touched on the fact that you are that multimediographer. you got your hands in a lot of different pies. You're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, most of it and a lot of it is is geared towards helping other photographers understand how to be better photographers. And to that end, I know that you've just produced a guide, um, a PDF guide and a video companion to that. Uh, tell me about that. And what was the impetus behind it? Well, the impetus behind it was my wife. <laughs> it was like, you need to do this. You need to you know, I've been writing books for, I don't know, maybe six, seven years now. Yeah. I said, you need to do something of yourself and put it out there. You got to make it your own rather than, you know, going through a publisher. And, and she showed me some examples of some other stuff that was being produced by some other people. I said, you can do better than this. Mm -hmm. And so I went, ah. And she, she had to drag me into doing it because I was just like, I don't know. The reluctant but, hero. <laughs> so, uh, so I produced this, this ebook. And this, uh, these video lectures that are a complement to it. And I call it Photo Essentials. And, and 
it's a primer on the core features of people's cameras. So it addresses exposure modes, uh, metering, um, you know, the use of flash focus, and it does it in a way that it provides context, which is often missing from the instruction manuals. Mm -hmm. Instruction manuals will explain how you change for exposure compensation, but they don't necessarily make it really clear as to when and why you would want to use it. They don't yeah. put it into real-world um, context. And so I've always taught based on that idea, is trying to give people the information in terms of how to use the camera to effectively produce a good photograph, but I try to explain the when and the why. Mm -hmm. And so the ebook is really designed to do that. So I spend in each chapter talking about those, the things that I just mentioned. And then I also created a complimentary video lecture for each chapter in which I use my pictures to sort of reinforce the idea. So when I'm talking about metering, and I'm talking about matrix, center weighted, and spot. I use examples of photographs that I've created using those metering modes. Yeah. Say, in this shot, I use matrix metering, and this is why I chose this as opposed to using center weighted. And here's this image that I use spot metering, and this is what it's doing in your camera. But this is why I chose it, and and getting people to sort of recognize, to to learn how to see, because I think the choice of what you do with a camera has to begin with what you're seeing with your naked eye in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it having is. an understanding of, oh, this this light is coming from behind my subject. So that's going to affect affect the exposure. It may even affect how uh, focus performs. It may require me to override what the camera is going to do because it may not give me the result that I'm imagining in my in my head. And unless you take a workshop where you have the benefit of someone standing right next to you to do it, a lot of people don't figure that out. They make a picture and they like it, but they can't necessarily go out and reproduce it next right. time. Right. They just feel like it's lucky or because they had this, they had this, you know, this nice camera, the camera did it for them. Mm -hmm. But at some point you have to, you got to take ownership. Yeah. You yeah. You're, you're, it sounds like you're talking about when I first started learning photography and this, you know, I'm going to date myself. It was like, Way back in 1989, you remember that? Oh. <laughs> in 19, doing wonders for you, son. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, creature of the night. So, <laughs> you know, so way back in 1989, when I first started learning photography, it was the whole idea. What one of the things that got me excited about photography was it was like a puzzle, right? Because you look at a scene, whether it's a whether you're creating a portrait, um, it's a landscape scene, or you, you know, back then I was all excited about trying special effects and double exposures and all that stuff. And it, it's a puzzle. It's a formula. You look at the scene and you, you have to think on your, you have to think on your feet. Okay, here's a scene, like you're saying, lights coming from this direction. It's this quality of light, specular, diffuse, whatever. Um, so how do I capture this? So I need to make decisions over f-stop, shutter speed, um, the film that I'm going to use, the grain that I want in the final print, all this stuff. Back then, however, we could make more decisions later in the dark room because, you know, we had that level of control too, which we have in Lightroom, obviously. But yeah, it was when you when I saw a scene back then and even today, photographers look at a scene and then you know it's almost like terminator you see the scene and you're like okay this is there i need to do this uh-oh subject is here with pole coming out of head adjust perspective you know <laughs> all that kind of thing 
instead of just pulling up the camera, snapping it, and then later trying to make it look good in software. It's you know it's kind of a, a delicate a delicate nuance there. So you you touched a little bit. So on that that ebook. So by the way, where that is going to be available when we're recording this, it is the twenty first of November. So uh, it'll be officially that? launched on Sunday. Okay. Which is, uh, is it the twenty third? That is the twenty third. Yep. Yeah. So we'll do official launch on, on on Sunday, and then we'll provide your listeners with a discount code so they can get it for uh, just fifty nine dollars. But I'll, I'll probably write that uh, to you in time for for the release. Yes. Yeah. Give me that, and uh, you know. Through the magic of television, we will edit that in and put that in the lower third here on this video. <laughs> but but what, one of the things I want to sort of touch on is, is, is a lot of people are intimidated by the technical aspect of photography. Mm -hmm. and, and I think one of the, the secrets of it and why it's so important that you learn all the sort of mechanics uh, of the camera and also in terms of learning stuff about composition is it's it's i think of photography as sort of a bell curve you yeah. got this big steep thing you have to learn about all this stuff but at some point you get up to the top of that and it doesn't mean you necessarily have figured out everything because you never will forget, figure out everything right. but at some point you start recognizing the things that you need to make your particular photographs yeah. and as a result you start figuring out how to use just those few things that you need in order to make your images so even though your camera may have 150 different bells and whistles on there, you realize that, well, I only need 10 of these mm -hmm. in order to make my shots and be able to do that consistently. And that's something to sort of strive for. And I think that it's definitely reflected in the way that I work. Because mm -hmm. I sold off all my DSLRs, sold all my Canon gear because I wasn't using it. Mm -hmm. And I started using these, you know, these small compact system cameras, um, largely because I just wanted to work simply. Yeah, I was in France and I just used the uh, the uh, the Samsung uh, NX30 and the um, and the Fuji X uh, X100S. Mm -hmm. and that was it, and it's I was liberating, fine. liberating, isn't it? I didn't have a bag full of lenses that I had to tote around, and it really forced me to go. Okay, let me work as simply as I can. Yeah. If I'm and I was going out there with just fixed focal length lenses. Yeah, so it was just like no. I, I'm gonna have to use. I'm, I'm gonna have to zoom with my feet. Yeah, and it's it's amazing when you have less choices to make, how it helps you to see and how it helps you to make photographs. Because all of a sudden you have to work within those limitations, mm -hmm. and you got to make it work. If you got about seven or different lenses in your bag, you're going, okay, which one should I use? And yeah. oh, let me take the time to do this. And yeah. you start worrying about the fact that it's getting too heavy or or it getting robbed or. Yep. You know, whatever all that stuff was, and I'm like, you know, I got this one camera on me, and if something happens with it, you know, yeah. I can use my phone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 liberating when you. I mean, the whole the cliche of less is more, right? You know, and it and it's true because in in the game of photography, like take your trip to France for example, you're at the Eiffel Tower or the the Louvre, right? And if you had a bag full of gear, you could say, well, you know what, oh, there's people here, I'm gonna get some close-up shots of people, oh, I wanna blur the background of this shot, and you know, oh, I need a wide angle, because I gotta get the pyramid and all this stuff in there, and then I wanna get close to the pyramid and get some cool detail shots of that, and I gotta do this, 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 and this, right? And pretty soon, you're switching lenses back and forth and all that, whereas if you had one simple focal-length lens, it forces you to see the world through just that lens, 
and compose through just that lens and zoom with your feet, like you're saying. So it changes the dynamic from you being an engineer that's out there to record the scene for all posterity from every conceivable angle to now you're an artist and yeah. you are recording it as best you can with the paintbrush that you have, right? Yeah, it's so much easier to, to, to think about, okay, what do I need to buy for this trip? Then thinking about, okay, what am I going to have to do to make sure that I get up before the sunset? Yeah. Be able to get out to that location and take advantage of that great light. Yeah. That, that takes some commitment yeah. to get up at 3.30 in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning to go make a shot with whatever you have <laughs> yeah. than it is to go out and just, you know, buy the gear and then get out of the hotel where you're at at 10 or 11 o'clock because you yeah. wanted to sleep in. Yeah. And then you're shooting during midday light, which isn't particularly good. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it really comes down to the choices that you're making. That's right. That's and what right. you're willing to sacrifice in order to make it happen. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills, explore new hobbies with their easy to follow video tutorials and more. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop, improve your photography skills, or manage your photos, lynda.com offers thousands of courses in a variety of topics. They give you everything you need to improve your skills. They offer a variety of instructions. You can learn software, creative business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. They've got over 2,400 courses, and they keep adding more every single week. They work directly with software companies so that they can provide timely training, often on the same day that new versions are released. So you're always up to speed on the latest and greatest features. And they offer courses for all levels. They add new courses each and every day, and their courses are taught by industry experts. Their instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields. Their videos are made in state-of-the-art studios. They're not homemade YouTube videos. These are courses are professional, they're convenient, and you can access them at any time from your computer, your tablet, your mo mobile device, or whatever you need. The cool thing is their courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces. So whether you have 15 minutes or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace and on your own terms. And you get all of that for one monthly price of $25 for unlimited access to the entire course library. And on the TWIP side of things, with the latest changes to This Week in Photo, I found myself needing to get up to speed on Adobe Audition, their audio editing software. So. My first stop was to YouTube so that I could kind of get a good overview of the software and the different cool features that are in there. So I did that. But then when I wanted a deeper understanding from a professional's perspective, I turned to lynda.com. It really was that simple. And now I'm pretty much up to speed on the new software. So. I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with a special offer to access their entire library for free for seven days. Just visit lynda.com slash twip. You can try lynda.com for free for a full seven days. Once again, that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. The very next Perillo, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. My head always explodes when we talk. <laughs> You know, a pleasure and an honor talking to photographer slash podcaster slash mentor. I'm excited about what you're doing. You're leading workshops, you're writing books, you're moving into the digital distribution world with PDFs and online stuff. 
you're on fire. So congratulations on, on everything that you have going on. And, and thank you uh, for uh, being a friend, even though we haven't talked too much over the last uh, seven or eight years. Uh, you've always been a presence uh, for me. And I'm so glad that you're still around and that you're, 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 you know, you're blossoming with, with the stuff that you're doing with TWIP. So uh, I mad respect for you, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Some say blossoming, some say exploding, some say imploding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. In the end, time will tell what what the real the real descriptor is. So thank you, sir. Where where should uh, where should the TWIP audience go to to check out all the stuff that you have going on? Uh, they can go to thecandidframe.com. All right. Thanks a lot, Amerinex. Thank you, sir. What a great conversation that was. It's always a pleasure talking to a Baryonyx. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to his show, The Candid Frame, over at thecandidframe.com. Also, Baryonyx has just released an amazing new ebook and video combination. This thing is about 80 pages of expert photography instruction and six hours of video, all for just $225. But get this. Just for the TWIP audience, he's knocking off $166 off the price tag for a short time. That makes the price just $59 for TWIP listeners. So, yeah, from $225 down to $59 just for TWIP listeners. You can go grab that over at thisweekinphoto.com slash thecandidframe and use the code TWIP2014 on checkout. And that's it for this episode of This Week in Photo. Be sure to check out the TWIP website over at thisweekinphoto.com for more awesome photography resources and training. And don't forget to take a look at the new TWIP apparel store over at thisweekinphoto.com slash apparel. And to subscribe to the other shows in the TWIP network, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.